Shalom. Hebrews 2020, we see Jesus. This is double duty message today. It'll be increment 318 called Be Grateful, but it will also serve as a kind of a Thanksgiving special for 2023. And really triple duty because this message along with messages from Hebrews going back to about November 5th will also serve to help pastors and ministers or just as they call them laymen, anyone who speaks at a funeral service or a memorial service, you can extract some verses or passages from these past messages. They will be very helpful in that regard. And speaking of funeral services and eulogies, I have the sad duty of reporting to all of us that Larry Sheasley, a true friend of mine and of Pam's and of the ministries of Tetelestai, has departed from this life to be with the Lord. So that's sad news, but it's also great joyous news for another one of our phalanx to graduate into the presence of our Commander-in-Chief, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the Armies. And we know that Larry is there in the fullness of joy as the Holy Spirit keeps penning the catalog of faith heroes. And many of our number have graduated now into his presence. Our compassion is directed and our condolences to Judy, his faithful wife, wonderful woman of God in her own right. Both Larry and Judy have been with us for the bulk of the stretch of 45 years. We just celebrated that anniversary this past Sunday. And we pray that Judy will be surrounded with the majesty of God's mercy through this time and also Larry's children. And we'll see you soon, Larry. Be grateful. The true God, the only God, is said to be the God of all grace in 1 Peter 5.10. This is an apt descriptor of the only true God because the true God is a gracious God. Because God is a gracious God, his will is a gracious intention. The God of all grace in grace limits our span in time on this side of the integral cosmos, a universe of two sides, heaven and earth. This limitation by God's gracious intention is in fact God's gracious will. It is not a reason for us to complain or to be ungrateful, nor is it a cause for sad or on the other hand, flippant resignation. It is rather a reason to be grateful to our creator and redeemer, our maker and our reconciler. For our limited span, our divinely allotted time, our divinely given time, is our share in the time of Jesus, whose time in this evil age was also limited, divinely given, divinely allotted. It was a time which began when he was cast upon God from the womb of his virgin mother, Mary, and remained dependent upon him. 
upon God as his God in Psalm 22.10. This God gave his angels orders concerning Jesus to protect him in all his ways, who supported him with their hands so that he did not strike his foot against a stone, supporting him and protecting him, that is, until the moment at the termini and high point of the ages when he would sacrifice himself to put away sin, when he would be offered up to take on himself the sins of many, when God, who supported and preserved him up until then, did not spare his only son, but freely gave him up for us all, thus demonstrating not only that God is for us all, but just how much God is for us. Just how much he loved the world in John 3.16. For God loved the world so much that he gave his son. He was so much for us all, and that means all that he did not spare his son, his only son, as he spared Abraham's only son on Mount Moriah. Nor did God give his son so that only those who believe in him would be spared from perishing. For God spared all people from perishing because of his son's experience of the death, that is, the perishing of the cross being that he is the savior of all human beings. But on top of this, God is especially the savior of those who believe, according to 1 Timothy 4.10, because they are not only spared from perishing, but they have the life of the coming age, even in their time on this evil age, during this time, during this limited span on this side of the created universe. Those who believe even taste of the powers, the dynamics of the age to come, as Hebrews 6.5 says. Jesus, God himself, called God by God, in Hebrews 1.8, also calls God my God. Jesus called him that from the cross in Psalm 22.1 and Matthew 27.46. He calls God my God in resurrection, in John 20, 17. In fact, he calls him my God and your God as he speaks to us. Thank God. He was dependent on God as a man from the cradle in a stall for animals to a grave, a sepulcher donated by Joseph of Arimathea. In his end of life, on this side, at the end of his allotted time, at the close of his given time, Jesus entrusted his spirit to God his Father and breathed for the last time the breath that God gave him at birth. His head then bowed as if in submission to the one who had the power to save him out of death and who would, in fact, lead him up from the dead with the blood of the everlasting covenant. The death of the cross, 
the incomprehensible experience of perishing under the wages of sin, which Jesus endured in Hebrews 12.2 for everyone in Hebrews 2.9, was within his allotted time, his divinely given time. His resurrection from the dead began his endless time in incorruptibility and immortality, which were brought to light by the gospel, a time he also graciously shares with us. Our focus in this message, and I'm calling this message also Hebrews et plus, meaning it's Hebrews and more, going beyond the bounds of Hebrews, as well as dealing with Hebrews in toto. Our focus in this message, though, is that Jesus had and has a human life. He lived in an allotted span, a limited duration, a given time from beginning by birth to an ending by death. His time, his limited time as the man Jesus on this side of the integral cosmos had a beginning and an end. Jesus took the same blood and flesh as we have for the precise reason that at the end of his limited lifespan as a man in this world, he would destroy the one who had power over death, that is Diabolos, better known as the devil, Hebrews 2.14. For from the very beginning, the gracious God willed the non-existence of chaos, will the, the non-existence of the surd of sin, of the evil of death, as well as the evil of pathological fear and of creaturely guilt. The gracious God, who willed the existence of order and of peace, willed the non-existence of chaos and disorder. The gracious God, who willed the existence of freedom, also intended the non-existence of slavery. The gracious God who willed the existence of the good willed the non-existence of evil. The annihilation of the evils of the human race is accomplished not by force, but by the just and mysterious law of the cross. This is the way of the gracious God. This is the way of the God of all grace. The gracious God, who willed the existence of the good creation, wills the annihilation of the evil of death, the negation of creation. The gracious God, who wills the existence of the forgiveness of sins, wills the non-existence of the evil of guilt. The Hebrews author described the time between the beginning and ending time of Jesus his divinely allotted and given time by the phrase, in the days of his flesh. Entes hemeras, hemeres, tes sarcos autu, in Hebrews 5, 7. It was within that span of time that Jesus, the Lord of time, made petitions and supplications 
to the one who is powerful to save him from death. It is to be noted, and it's so surprising, that Jesus the man, though God of very God, prayed to the omnipotent God during the time between his beginning and end of his life on earth, the creature word side of the universe. And he was listened to when he prayed by reason of his human reverential submission to God the Father. He was listened to. That Jesus had a span of time, a limited duration measured by days and characterized by the weakness of flesh means that Jesus shared intimately with all of us the limitations of a creaturely lifetime. Days, Hamerace, speaks of a temporal limit, a specific time frame bracketed by a beginning and an end, the beginning being birth, the end being death. Flesh, sarcos, speaks of the transience and weakness of creaturely existence, for as the scripture says, all flesh is grass, all the glory of man is like the flower of grass. Isaiah 40 and verse 6b. Jesus partook of the evanescently temporal human life, which is like a mist or the release of steam that appears for a short time, then is gone. In James 4.14. Two qualities characterize the days of his flesh. One is the transient temporality, days. The other, transient materiality, flesh. Two qualities can also be observed of a burst of steam. It is spatially confined as well as temporally curtailed. In Jesus' life, in real time, he rejoiced in Matthew eleven twenty five. He wept in John eleven twenty five. He suffered. He was even crucified in weakness. Second Corinthians thirteen four. He was loved and he was hated. He was misunderstood and misjudged. He endured great hostility, violent enmity from those to whom he came in love, in God's love, in his love, which was and is and always will be God's love, but also the love of a man, Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus. There's so much that we can say of Jesus in his own allotted time, his own given time, which passed so quickly between his beginning, narrated in the Matthean and Lucan accounts of the New Testament. So much so that there's not enough paper or even cyberspace to contain all that may be said of his time on this side of the integral cosmos. John said so in John 20, 30 to 31. So the four evangelists had to restrict what they wrote of this time of Jesus, which had a beginning and an end, an end on which, on his lips, was the word mashalem in Aramaic, to telestai, 
in Greek, in John 19.30. The Aramaic mashalem carries the connotation of the making of peace. It means peace has been made. The reconciliation of the world to God in Christ is done. It had been done by the end of the temporal life of the man Jesus on this side of the created universe. It had been done in him, in the time and space which the man Jesus was allotted by the God of all grace, given by the gracious God. So Jesus lived in real time, that which Barth defined as, quote, time created by God as the divinely given space for human life. To make our point that we have time, limited time, means that we have divinely allotted time, time given by the gracious God, who is not without us, but with us, Emmanuel, not against us, but for us. He is the God who elected himself as such, to be the gracious God, the God who is for us always and in all ways. Jesus' time, Jesus' limited time, the days of his flesh, between a beginning and an end in this created space made for creaturely living on this creatureward side of the created universe is God speaking to us in a son, in Jesus Christ and him crucified, saying to us, I am for you. And this is how much I am for you. That we have our own allotted time given time, our own individual lifetimes, whether relatively long or relatively short, is a marvelous manifestation of the gracious God. Because his own eternal son had such a time, took time to live as us, took time to bleed, took time to die. As lifespans go, his was relatively short. God then shared with us our human lifespan. He did so in Jesus the man, his eternally begotten son, his divine son, his eternally beloved. And we are in the beloved, accepted in him, forgiven in him, reconciled to God in him, sharing God's own life in him. This human, creaturely man, Jesus, who had a beginning and an end in real time, was and is and always will be God. Of him, God said, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Of the beginning of temporal earthly living, God spoke through the prophet Micah. 
He spoke of Jesus' beginning of temporal living in creaturely space. And in Micah 5.2, God prophesied that his proceedings, his goings forth, are from eternity, from the simultaneity of all time, past, present, and future. We know from Revelation 13.8 that he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the creation of the integral universe. Though he partook of our blood and flesh, so much so that he calls us his siblings, his brothers and sisters, and was even crucified in that weakness, Jesus was nevertheless without sin, and therefore so very unlike us. Viva la difference. And yet he was so very like us, both his likeness to us and his unlikeness to us contributed to our eternal salvation. And not only ours, but the eternal salvation of all people everywhere and in all times. For he did not become like some people, but all people. He did not become like some creatures, but all creatures of flesh. All that has breath and all flesh is the beneficiary of the eternal redemption which he found for us in Hebrews 9.12. We are all the beneficiaries of the universal reconciliation wrought and completed in him, 2 Corinthians 5.19, Colossians 1.20, upon which he said that word, Mashalem, to tell us die. The man Jesus who lived in this divinely allotted time, in this given time, showed himself to be, and God his Father and the Eternal Spirit showed him to be, the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. The Samaritans in the town of Sychar got it. John 4.42. Simon, the son of Jonas, better known to us as Peter, got it at Caesarea Philippi, got it directly, not from the flesh revealing it to him, but from Jesus' eternal Father in heaven. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonas, for my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. My Father in heaven, on the Godward side, invisible to us now side of the integral cosmos. Within his allotted time and space, within his limited time span, at the end of his life and time, Jesus culminated a life of obedience to his Father in an act of obedience to the death of the cross. So God highly exalted him in answer to that humiliation. Philippians 2, 8 and 9, Hebrews 5, 8 and 9, Hebrews 10, 5 and 10. And as we know from Romans 5, 19, from that one act of obedience of that one man, Jesus, the many who were constituted as sinners became constituted as righteous. The eternal word, who has made flesh, 
lived a life of temporality. But beyond his temporality, his life in time, there is resurrection. The eternal word who has made flesh was manifested in flesh, made immortal, incorruptible, ever living, lively always for the ages. <clears throat> and so we ought not to be sorrowful or sadly resigned to the end of our set span of our allotted time, <clears throat> but rather to be attentive to God's word, God's spirit, the voice of the great shepherd of the sheep who speaks now from heaven and has given us for one prime example what I call the heavenly homily called Hebrews, for Hebrews itself is the voice of him from heaven to us and what he wants to say to us in the 21st century. In our given, allotted, real time, we ought to be intelligent about our gracious God, about who and what he is, for he has made this intelligible through the scriptures. We ought to be intelligent about how and what he has spoken in his son with finality in these last days. Hebrews 1-2. We ought to be reasonable. And like Jesus in his fixed and appointed time, to present our bodies to God as a sacrifice with which he is pleased in Romans 12.1 compared with Hebrews 13.15-16, 1 Peter 2.9. For there are sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There are those sacrifices, according to Hebrews 10, 6 through 8, which God does not desire. The uh, animal sacrifices of the Levitical cultists, not any longer to be offered. But there are sacrifices that he does desire that are acceptable to him through Jesus Christ, including praise from sanctified lips, including acts of benevolence, and generosity. And so we are to be reasonable, not only to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, but to entrust our spirits to the God of truth, Psalm 31.5, to commit our souls to a faithful creator, 1 Peter 4.19, something that becomes all the more pertinent and relevant in times of trial and testing catastrophe and disaster, and to give our hearts to the Father in Proverbs 23, 26, to be taught by God in John 6, 45, guided by him, moved by him, which is also to be responsible. And we ought to be in love in our limited time span, in our duration in this life. We ought to be in love with life, as 1 Peter 3.10 says. To love even the life of the present transient space we have here and now, and to love the people with whom we share this transient space, this span of time, even our enemies. We ought to, above all, be in love with God, as Jesus was, 
and as Jesus is in us. We ought to love Jesus as he who is God for us, with us, in us, and who is the representative of God to us and of us to God. Along with the five transcendent precepts, be attentive, be intelligent, be reasonable, be responsible, and be in love, there is sixthly, be grateful. Be grateful, not fearful, not sadly resigned, not discontented, and above all, not embittered, but grateful. For our God is the God of all grace. He elected himself to be God for us and no other God. Let us rejoice, therefore, and receive grace, his grace. In Hebrews 12, 28, for in the midst of our transient, evanescent lifespan, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, a kingdom that will survive our end in this life. Receiving a kingdom that cannot be moved, let us have grace. That means let's be grateful that we may serve God acceptably with gratitude and with the grace that he gives. In receiving his grace, let's respond in the only reasonable, intelligent, and attentive and loving way, with gratitude. Let's be grateful, not only for the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, but even for the gift of our own days of the flesh. For like Jesus, this life is allotted to us, given to us. Both its beginning and its end is appointed to us by the gracious God. Most of all, our life, even this life, is shared with Jesus, who shared this life with us, that we may share his eternal life and fellowship with God and with him and with the Lord, the Spirit, called uniquely in Hebrews, as well as in Zechariah 12.10, the Spirit of Grace. While we live in real time, in real history, sharing Jesus' time, let us realize that Jesus is the Lord of time, and the Lord both of the living and the dead, as the one who was dead and is now alive for the ages, forevermore. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and for the ages. Hebrews 13.8. The King of the ages. 1 Timothy 1.17. And we are in him <clears throat> and have the privilege and the opportunity even now to reign in life by him, in him and with him. <clears throat> Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, teach us to number our days. Thank you for our lives in real time. And thank you for Jesus, who is the reality of real time 
and of real eternity, the reality of the true God and of true humanity, the reality of the creator and the creature, with whom, for whom, and in whom God chose to be. And this is my thanksgiving prayer. Amen.